This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. David Amber, top of the hour. Eric Francis still to come as well on the awesome Calgary Flames. Looking for five in a row on the road against the Rangers tonight. Uh, Vancouver Canucks general manager Patrick Galvin announcing today, this is a Vancouver Canucks tweet, that defenseman Carson Soucy has been placed on injured reserve and defenseman Jet Wu has been recalled from Abbotsford AHL. Man, when I watched him in Moose Jaw, that guy hit like a freight train. Insert your Ric Flair woos here, but Jet Wu called up from uh, from Abbotsford there. So Amber coming up, uh, Eric Francis still to come as well. In the meantime, our good friend, the York Chop, the one and only Jason York, former NHLer, now turned podcaster, we should mention. Um, uh, it is the way of the future. Everybody does podcasts, coming in hot podcast. Uh, we love it, and we love Jason York. How you doing today, York Chop? Well, Jeff, I can't believe you of all people. Jarrett Wu, I believe, resides from... If the card shows correct, Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. That's like a layup <laughs> That's where he for played, you, but I th- I, I, No, but he, he played with the Warriors. I think he, he was traded at deadline. <laughs> and he ended up finishing up with the Hitmen in Calgary. But I think he's a Manitoba guy. I think he's from, I don't know you... if it's Winnipeg, maybe. But yeah, from Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. See... If I can read this correctly. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, with the exception of my wife, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's, all that's my favorite character. You're a family-friendly uh, family show. Yeah, we are. Oh, there we go. I got it. So my producer David Sis says yes, Winnipeg, Manitoba for uh, for Jet okay. Wu. Okay. okay. So, did we did we see a master class on Saturday? Not in drawing a penalty, but drawing a suspension. Uh, let's just get this conversation over with. Ridley yeah. Gregg, Morgan Riley, the empty net slap shots. <laughs> Everything that followed, including the conversation, uh, I, I'm really curious. I'm always curious about players and players' opinions and specifically things like this. Like I've always mentioned on the show, I've learned one thing about hockey and all the time that I've covered it. One thing and one thing only, and that is the players know. The players understand and the players know. When it comes to something that happens on the ice, you cannot lie to players. The players know. Jason, you played. How did you see all of that? Well, also, interestingly enough, Jeff, I was about 100 yards away from the play. I was actually in the building. I went with some buddies to the game. Mm-hmm. And have you been to a game in Ottawa when Toronto's in town? I have, but it was years ago. This was back in the days when uh, Joe Newendike okay. was throwing knuckleballs through Patrick Laleem. <laughs> okay, I did, a, I did like a section count of how many, <laughs> how many Austin Matthews jerseys I counted in one section. And there was probably 100 out of the 400 yeah. seats that had Austin Matthews jersey. So I'll tell you one thing. Take I'll take yeah. inside the player's mind here. I'll tell you the reason, at okay. least why I think it's just my take, why he did it. It's kind of a message to, all right, Leafs fans, if you guys want to come and take over our building and rub it in our face because we're having a bad year and beat us, I'm going to score this goal. You guys are going to lose and take that. So to me, he was doing it more hmm. to, because I, I played in those situations, Jeff. It's, it's annoying as hell. I don't care what any player says when your building gets taken over by a bunch <laughs> of fans, especially, especially elite fans. Yeah. And listen, I, if I played for Toronto, I would love it. If my fans came around and followed me everywhere mm-hmm. and they came in, like, did you see the Austin Matthews goal? Did you see? Oh yeah, they, they cut away to the they, they cut cut away to the stands, yeah, and it's all Leafs fans. When did you? But did you see the celebration? 
like he goes to the fans and the stage and he does it's it's a it's a celebration yeah. but like so anyhow if you did that celebration 30 years ago you would have to fight it's all changed i understand that i'm not going to be that guy that says back in my day blah 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 but i just believe ridley <laughs> greg did that i I hate when guys do that. Back in my day, you had to do that. But what Ridley Gregg did that, yeah. I really believe he did it. It was basically a screw you to all the fans that are in attendance and don't come into my building. So he did it, and he knew he knew somebody was going to come after him. I don't care what anybody says. And and for uh-huh. Morgan Riley, like, what's he supposed like? Uh, if you're him, if you don't do anything, what do you think the media is going to say? The first thing the Leafs they lose to Ottawa. Why didn't you do anything? They're going to go back to that time when somebody skated by the Leafs bench and there was no response. I forget. That was earlier this year, Jeff. So I understand yeah. what Morgan Riley is doing as well. He just made... You know what his problem is? He doesn't. He's not really good at doing that kind of stuff. So he's like, all right, I got to do something here. I got to yeah. go over and cross-check him in the back. Oh, on the head. And then now it's, now it's going to be whatever, yeah. five-game suspension or whatever it's going to be. But I've honestly... I I think it's good. This this series needed something like this rivalry needed to wake up because yeah. it's been boring as hell the last little while. Like there's some spice back into it. Oh, there's, right. Like I I love this. I love the saying, yep. Jeff. You and I have talked about this before. Hate is good for a game. Hate hate is good for these two these two teams because you know you go to the All Star game. Brady Kachuk's hanging out with Matthew or uh, with uh, Austin Matthews. Myers, everyone's happy. Everyone's everyone's friends in the league now. It's like it's a friendly, happy league. This series, this mm-hmm. rivalry, is not supposed to be friendly. It's not supposed to be happy. And it took a young rookie to do something like this. And hopefully, they remember it next year when these two teams meet. And uh, you know, oh, they will. Fireworks yeah, <laughs> I like yeah, hang it. on. It's good. It's hang on. It's good. You, you know why they won't forget? <laughs> because we that? won't let them. You're go- you're gonna see that played over and over right? and over. Yeah. I mean, Chris Chris Neal's gonna be interviewed if he's uh, renewed his CrossFit <laughs> membership and he signed a PTO. Yeah. And uh, hey, I saw Ty Domi uh, joined a boxing club, and it's like, okay, is, is Domi coming back now? I always find yeah, that it's yeah. like it, it's weird. Hey, between between these two teams, Toronto and Ottawa, Jason. You know, yeah. there was yeah. you know there was much fewer over Daniel Alfredson faking throwing a stick oh, into the. the fake- it's <laughs> with Matt That's Sundin, right? Which just which just oh. lit everybody ablaze. And now, like, think about what we're think about what I'm about to say here, Yorkie. Yep. The Battle of Ontario has been set on fire by an empty net goal. Isn't that crazy? I've always Isn't maintained that, that it's 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 wild but this this does talk a lot about things like code and appropriate response and, and all of that like i'm with mm-hmm. you on morgan riley like you knew that like if you're morgan riley you have to do something but now something. that something has turned into a question about why didn't you do something into why did you do yeah. that and take a five game yeah. suspension oh, no, was it yes, was it right. worth if it he, like like here yeah but he, here, here's my job. thinking if like if, if that was do, you he doesn't do yeah yeah he and he's going to get it. Let me let me just let me just let me just personalize this for you. If you were Morgan Riley at that moment, Jason York, NHL defenseman, you're Morgan Riley. You have to go over there. My only thought is like, why don't you drop the gloves? You're not going to get a six game suspension, I assure you. Why do you not like either drop the gloves or a cross check on the arm? Why do you need to risk going high? 
Why do you need to risk he, going high? Like, I get it. You got to do you, something. I understand. He's not, Jeff, he's not. Morgan Riley is a fairly honest player. Has he, I don't think he's been ever suspended before. Um, he's a guy, he's a, he's not good at doing that sort of thing. That's what happened. It's yeah. in a perfect world. He cross checks him in the back, a scrum ensues. He doesn't have to be part of it. He got it started. Maybe Reeves is on the ice and, and then it's two other guys fight or whatever. But uh, it was played perfectly by Ridley Gray. He did it. He knew a response was coming. Uh, Morgan yeah. Riley just happened to be the first guy on the scene, and now he's got to do something because we know full well if he doesn't, when he goes in the dressing room after, why don't you do something? Okay, what, 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 yeah. do you like being embarrassed? Is this what you guys like? Um, so I understand all that. I listen, people listening, I am not condoning the cross check to the head, but that's that's the gray area of hockey, right? There's two sets of rules. There's rules that you have to abide by between the whistles. And then after the whistles, there's a, there's like, what can you do? Well, number one, you can't cross-trick somebody in the head. You can punch somebody in the head, but they have to be facing you. They have to be ready for it. You can't go after a guy and punch him when he's not looking. Like, there's all kinds of little things that you're like, okay, what is allowed? What isn't allowed? In other sports, if you do yeah. something after the whistle, you're getting a penalty. Or you're kicked out of the game in hockey. There's a huge gray area. What can you do? What can't you do? How many games is it? What's he going to be suspended? And that's mm. what makes it so tough. Like, what is the appropriate response? Probably a, because he can't fight him because he's skating away. So what's he supposed to do to engage, right? So he's got to he's got to kind of cross check him lower. And think about what we're discussing right now. What does he do after the whistle that if he did during yeah. the whistles wouldn't be allowed? Like it's crazy when you think about it. Like the code and all this bullshit. But there's 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 a. There's there's a there's a lot that's there's a lot that's crazy here. So I I think it's like, well to be blunt, it's the gray matter of the game. The gray area is what you talk about, and that is the code. Yeah. I thought that the uh, did you see the, the uh, maybe you didn't because you were at the game. The Claude Giroux interview on Hockey Night right after the game. I watched it. Was it was fascinating. I, I think. It, I, yeah. Did you see? The, okay, so did it not feel to you like that was, you know, that was Claude Giroux trapped in this area where I mean he's an older school mm-hmm. guy, right? He's like old school, he came yeah. from the Philadelphia Flyers, right? He's a veteran, and on the one hand, he can't bring himself to say that he was fine with what Ridley Gregg did, but at the same time, he doesn't want to bury a teammate. So by yeah. the end, he just kind of says like, uh, "Okay, no comments on all of it." But it was really, to me, it's one of the most compelling things that we've seen on on hockey television all season long. I was really glad that Hockey Night put him on, and I get yeah. that he agreed to come on because he knew he was going to get that question. But <laughs> if I asked you know about the response from Morgan Riley. How would you like, like, what would you be thinking if you were on the bench, Jason, and and Ridley Gregg or one of your teammates, and he did that? Would your thought be, ah, it's just an empty net goal, no big whoop, Morgan Riley, how dare you overreact like that? Or would you say, (laughs) kid, what did you think was going to happen? And and I'll put it to you this, let me me try to lead the witness here. If it's the middle of the summer and Jason York is sitting on a park bench and Jason York stands up and says, I'm going to go get a drink of water at that fountain over there and you leave your wallet on the bench and you walk over and you have a drink and you come back and your wallet's gone. Now, we have a right to say to Jason York, um, A, that's wrong that someone stole your wallet, but I also think we have the right to say, what did you (laughs) think was going to happen, Jason York? So really quick, I only got about 30 seconds or maybe a minute here. What would you be thinking if you were Ridley Gregg's teammate at that moment? 
Normally, so if this was a normal game and you take the Toronto Maple Leafs out of the question and you just did it, I would say you can't really do that. But again, you have to be in the building to understand what goes on in those types of games. It is so annoying when the Leafs fans take over the building. So I understand why I did it. And I, 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 I was there and I wasn't even playing the game. Like I don't care. But it's so, and this is the thing with Ottawa fans. A lot of Ottawa fans liked it because it's like, yeah. you know what? He's given the middle finger to the Leaf fans. And you kind of have to be there to understand it. Like if you're playing the Washington Capitals, whoever, and you do that, I would say you can't do that. But it's 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 the, it's a circumstance thing where, you know, are you allowed to like do the hot stick dance like Ovechkin did? Like the game's changed so much. It's like, can you skate by the bench mm-hmm. and and rub it in front of their bench? How much can you do? How much can't you do? I ju- I give him a little more rope on this because the fact it's just such a annoying situation in Ottawa with all the Toronto Maple Leafs fans. If you're a player, <laughs> and to me it was more of a middle finger to the fans that are there rubbing it in their faces and yeah. Ottawa said, you know what you guys want to come here through you and that's that's my take on it you're the best um york shop you're wonderful always love having you on continue success and we will catch up soon my friend i don't think we're done talking hey. about this this situation oh. this one's going to burn all year into the summer and yeah. into the next year steve Hatsapetro, schedule maker for the nhl do the right thing First game of the year, Toronto, Ottawa. Let's make go. It Let's go. Happen. Hey, Jeff. Thanks. Sorry about the Thanks, backdrop Jason. here, though. I, I'm, yeah. in, uh, I'm, I'm on vacation with the wife. We're in Florida right now, so uh, that's why I Where got this weird backdrop. We're, we're in Fort Lauderdale playing pickleball. Are you by the? Are you going down by the pool, Jason? <laughs> well, I'm in Florida. You know exactly where I'm going. There's a retirement. Stop trying to lead me with these questions, uh, Jeff. Okay, very good. I got to go, too. There he is, Jason York, uh, covering the Ottawa Senators. Was in the building 100 meters away, as you mentioned, from the Ridley Gregg empty net slap shot heard around the world. Okay, time now for Line Change, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local, Matt Marchese, someone who I saw loved the Morgan Riley reaction to Ridley Gregg on the week. And that's for a conversation an yep. hour or two because we have business to take care of here, serious business. We do. It's the uh, Flames at the Rangers. Puck line is Rangers minus one and a half. Calgary, six and two straight up in their last eight against the Rangers. The over has hit in four of the last five between these two at MSG and four of the last six overall. Yeah. The Flames are five and one are five and oh straight up in their last five road games. Okay, can I tell you something funny? First of all, this mm-hmm. is a really intriguing game. I'm really looking forward to this. Calgary has just been fantastic on this road trip. A lot of fun. Huberdeau's popping. Like it's it's really cool to watch. Mackenzie Weger with the hat trick on the weekend. That was awesome. I got a lot of respect, like Elliot said, at the beginning of this hour for the Calgary Flames and what they're doing right now. And don't look now, but the Rangers uh, are are looking to ride high again. At the same time, the Carolina Hurricanes are starting to pop in the Metropolitan. This should be a good one. I've got was somebody I mentioned on the podcast that Jacob Markstrom had the primary assist on Mackenzie Weger's first goal and how rare that was. There's a manager that I text with uh, semi-regularly who heard the pod and then sent me this big list, Maddie. Uh, Ottawa, Branstrom from Forsberg, Marner from Samsonov, Hockenpah from Ottinger, Tuck from Comrie, Aho from Anderson, Makar from Anunin, Barkov from Drieger, Manson from Stolarz, Kopitar from Peterson, Schaller from Raz, Subban from <laughs> Rene, etc., 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 can't even just mention nope. have an observation about Mm-mm. goaltenders anymore. Holy jeez. That was line change. 
Thank you very much, Anonymous Manager. That was Line Change, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local, the host of Rogers Monday Night Hockey, who will be handling affairs tonight for the Flames and the Rangers is David Amber. He joins me next on the Merrick Show across the Sportsnet Radio Network. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. Welcome to Hour 2. Bottom of the hour, Eric Francis will stop by. We'll talk about the awesome Calgary Flames. Don't look now, but going for win number five in a row. They will do it tonight on Rogers Monday Night Hockey. Pre-game gets underway at 6.30 Eastern. Puck drops just after 7 at the world's most famous arena, MSG. It is the Rangers facing off against the Flames. Uh, your host, once again, will be the one and only David Amber. DA, how are you, pal? Good, how are you? Uh, I am well. Before we get into hockey... I got to ask you something like legit here. I'm not sure if Elliot's talked to you about this or you've heard us go on about this either on here or on the podcast, but Elliot and I are doing this February uh, 2000 push-up challenge. All right. So we got to get to 2000. I'm just going consistent. Me and my 12 year old, I just do an 80 a day. Elliot is actually using the proper app. So he's going to probably peak out somewhere around 200 by, by the end of February. Uh, when you hear, when you hear like schleps like me and Elliot doing like 80 push-ups a day, uh, first of all, you can do that in your sleep. What goes through your mind when you hear me and Elliot trying to compare notes on who's doing more push-ups one day? Is this kind of like you guys are trying to figure out who the toughest clown in the circus is? You know, I have nothing but respect for, listen, Elliot's looking good. He's, he's trimmed <laughs> down. He's looking in shape. And, and 80 push-ups is no joke. So if you can do that every day, that's pretty impressive. I think the X is in on this too, isn't he? I was on some text chain and he was mentioning it's- it and, it's good. It's, oh, is Kev I doing do, it too? All right. Every, every time I go to the gym, I do I do push-ups as well. I think it's just a good, and it's it's not easy. It's a good thing to do. Well, you probably do like rocky push-ups, one arms, maybe just on your fingertips as well, clap push-ups, <laughs> maybe you pop up on the kettlebells as well. Like, be honest here, DA. Like, I've been in the gym with you before. Like, you just must look at us and just shake your head. Come on. Come on. No, no it's not it. that's not it at all. I Listen, you're, it's underwhelming if you have, I, I go often, and it's a lot of stretching, but I do. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I do <laughs> during the stretch. I'll do like three sets of, I'll do three sets of forty push-ups during the the whole stretch thing, which I think is a good little. It's a good way to yeah. get going. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one, hold on. What? What? One. One. Fi- yeah. Yep. No. No. Go on. Go on. Go. On. I was gonna say. Okay. One final workout question, because for me the answer to this is squats. I'm curious what yours is. If, um, okay, let me give you, okay, wild scenario for David Amber. Okay, aliens arrive. Okay, aliens arrive and they take over the earth and they say to everybody, they ask everybody the same question or give them one of the same commands and they get to you, David Amber, and they say, David Amber, you can only do one more gym exercise for the rest of your life. You can only pick one from the one that you do as your daily or semi-daily routine. What is that exercise? Oh, my goodness. Uh, if I could choose, I mean, just my favorite one. exercise, just one. it's probably like a lot of guys. I mean, I like to do bench. I think that's a good one. That's one of those sort of, um, I don't know, 
sanity workouts, I guess. You know? So I probably choose Ben because it's a fun one. I'm working out a lot with my son now, so it's been actually fun to watch him, you know, get yeah. stronger. And he's into it, and there's just a lot of young punks at the gym now. So it's kind of fun to see the next generation uh, rolling through there. But I like yep. getting on the squat rack, too. Um, I, I want to – I got to get into – well, we got to get in the gym sometime, Jeff. Let's do it. The last time was a draft in Montreal for you and me, and you put me to shame. And I went out of the uh, gym with my legs, but my with my tail between my legs. Uh, uh, never again at the same time with David Amber. Okay, um, <laughs> let's get to, to let's get to tonight. Actually, before we get to tonight, I got to ask you: Saturday night, Ottawa, Toronto, mm-hmm. really, Greg? The the empty net slap shot heard round the hockey world, and then the subsequent subsequent cross check high by Morgan Riley heard around the world in person hearing can go above five. Uh, just your thoughts on all of them. I'm not going to try to lead the jury here, or lead the witness sure. rather. Just your thoughts on the entire scenario you saw on Saturday. Well, first of all, I loved I loved the takes from both Elliot and Jason York. And Jason York, by the way, was like uh, Jeff yeah. Merrick after dark. It was it was getting a little. I was like, ooh, okay. <laughs> the language was getting spicy. I was like, okay, uh, I'll try and keep salty. it clean. But yeah. <laughs> you know, Yorkie was fantastic, and I thought his take was pretty spot on. I, I mean, I, I saw it like this. I saw it as really Greg was making a statement, obviously loud and clear, and there was going to be yeah. a reaction to that statement. And obviously it was a bit of an overreaction for Morgan Riley. You can't do that. Um, and I'm sure if he could have a take, a, a do-over, he'd have a do-over and he probably would have dropped the gloves or he would have, you know, done something differently as you suggested, but I had no problem with it. And as Yorkie said, and as Elliot said, it's great to have emotion uh, in this rivalry. It's great to show some emotion in the game. I mean, we watch a lot of hockey, right? How many games look like the last game and the game before and the game before and the game before when you have a moment like this, it sets it aside. It it makes you think about it. You go, wow. Okay. Um, You know, listen, Mm -hmm. I, I was kind of going back and forth on social media, or as I call it, anti-social media after the game. Sat Shah, our friend and colleague, sort of just sort of said, wow, what an, an inappropriate, I can't remember his exact words, like an unhinged response. And I was replying to Sat, uh, basically saying, well, you knew there was going to be a reaction. He wasn't just going to go unnoticed. And then a lot of people took that for me to think, well, he's, he's saying Morgan Riley was justified in reacting the way he did, which is not what I was saying. I was just saying you knew when Ridley Gregg was lining up to take a slap shot into an empty net, knowing that no one does that, you knew there was going to be a reaction, and there was. So I don't have a problem with it. Yeah. The league's going to have to have the final say in all of this. I'm sure, again, if Morgan Riley could have a, a do-over, he would do it over a little differently. But the fact that he actually stood up for, you know, hey, don't, are you embarrassing us, or what are you trying to say here, I have no problem with. So, um, you know, we'll leave it at that. And I'm, I'm interested. I actually was under the impression he'd get three or four games. I'm a bit surprised it's an in-game hearing. I look at Rasmus Anderson, yep. who had the, the last second hit on Line, and Line actually got injured, and he yep. received four games. You know, it's funny, Morgan Riley, Morgan Riley, about a month ago, we were talking about him for the Lady Bing. Think about that, right? He had no, he had no penalty minutes playing 24 minutes a game defense against the other team's best player. Yeah. And he had eight minutes yeah. in penalties, first 49 I... games, 15 yesterday, so... I, yeah, I, I think that ship has sailed now for uh, for Morgan Riley. I'll tell you what, you know what, you know, you, you know where I'm leaning philosophically right now on the Lady Bing, just because it's never happened before, and I'd like to think that somewhere along the way, someone would have dawned would have dawned on them to say, you know what, why not this position? How come goalies can't win the Lady Bing or haven't ever won the Lady Bing? <laughs> oh man, you throw the craziest scenario. Come on, David. The penalty jo- bleeding jo- into the join, next join, game. I- 
I almost fell off my uh, my yeah. bike when you when yeah. you. Uh, that, okay, so let me let me let me let me take that a step further because that that wasn't my idea. That's not my. That was from a conversation that I had with someone in the NHL. Okay. Over the weekend, because we're talking about the uh, we're talking about the the PWHL's uh, idea with the uh, the jailbreak. So shorthanded goals ends the penalty. And this person right. dropped this one on me. I said, "Well, how about this one, uh, which we would like to have some type of debate on?" Although I think they have had conversations about the traveling minors, and it hasn't gone anywhere. But uh, it's an intriguing way to get rid of you know, stupidity and those empty calorie minutes that we've all seen at the end of playoff games. Mm-hmm. Like, David, mm-hmm. you've seen, okay, there's the four to one goal with a minute 30 left. Here comes the meat, you know, jumping over the <laughs> boards and we know why they're there. Half of them have left their sticks on the bench. We don't need these coach. That's not why we're out here. Anyway, that's the philosophy behind, behind that one. It's just yeah. different. That's all. And I, I, I do wonder about goalies in the lady bank. Anyhow, I also do wonder yeah. about tonight's matchup and I'm looking forward to this one. You know, winning streaks are on the line and don't look now, but coming out of the break, it seemed like the break was just what the Calgary flames needed. They've been great. Um, they've been fantastic. Huberto's making plays again. Uh, Jacob Markstrom is reminding everybody that needed reminding, um, that he's a legitimate contender for the Vesna Trophy again this season. Um, just your, your your thoughts. Pick a team. Pick an issue. Whether you want to do goaltending, whether you want to do like the return of Shosturkin, who was great against Chicago, to kick off the weekend. Your choice. Like, what is what is spicy about this one for you? Well, first of all, another one of your hot takes, and you love the goalie hot takes, was that Jonathan Quick is the number one goalie uh, in New York. I I would beg to differ. As great as he's Fight been, me. fight me. Well, <laughs> I mean, you know, I think Shosturkin is their guy, and but I think there would be a very short leash. If they started the playoffs and Shosturkin got lit up for yeah. six goals in the first game, yeah, you're probably going to be giving them a quick hook and, and getting and getting quick in. I would be shocked, though, if you're going to start Jonathan Quick over Shosturkin complex. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but that, that to me just doesn't seem like the move to make. But, um, but you talk about intriguing storylines and intriguing teams, and the Calgary Flames maybe are the, one of the most intriguing teams because we all know we're, we're talking incessantly about leading up to March 8th and the trade deadline. I mean, Craig Conroy has some really hard decisions to make, and we saw the reporting from both Eric Francis and Elliot on Saturday. It doesn't look yep. like Hanab or Hannafin are going to get an extension. And if that's the case, they're not going to have another Johnny Goodrow situation. And I guess I'm wondering if I'm Craig yep. Conroy, how incumbent is it to do another deal like you did for Kuzmenko, where you're getting some instant returns. You're not just training for futures and prospects and draft picks. Because here you have this team now that are on the, the precipice of being in a playoff spot, and they're playing their best hockey of the year. And if you're going to sell it to your fan base, you know we're not just folding up the tents and saying, you know, so we're, we're out of it. Um, then I wonder if that's factoring into how they try and move Tanev, how they try and move Hannafin and what they're getting in return. Because, as you said, the Flames are yeah. kind of playing their best hockey of the year. And it doesn't make a lot of sense. Remember they had that homestand, Jeff? They had that six-game homestand against pretty weak teams, and they lost four of the games. And we were like, okay, well, they're done. Then they go on the road post-All-Star, yeah. and, and, you know, all they do is win. So it's been really interesting. We'll see if that streak stays alive tonight. Okay, this is, again, I want to, for anyone listening or watching right now, either Sportsnet Radio Network, Sportsnet 360, this is not a report. This is just me wondering about Elliot's, and it's not like Elliot Friedman saying he's wondering, because when Elliot Friedman says, you know, I wonder about this, uh, that's an informed wondering. I think we all have our Elliot Friedman decoder rings on by now. But here's what I 
legitimately wonder about coming off of Elliot's report about the conversation between the uh, the Calgary Flames and the New Jersey Devils revolving around Jacob Markstrom. Because I'm with you, like Conroy with the Kuzmenko deal, like he's not just looking... He's not just looking for green bananas. Like he wants players too. He uh, prospects and picks and all that. Sure, sure, but they also want players to be competitive. So you know who I wonder about if, if in fact this conversation, you know, got as far as you know New Jersey, you know, surrendering some names too. I could see it as a combination. If you look at how Craig Conroy is doing business right now, if they're going to have a conversation with uh, about Jacob Markstrom. One, there'd have to be retention, I would imagine, uh, from the uh, from the New Jersey Devils' point of view. But also, I would look at someone like I would look at a player like Dawson Mercer, mm. if I were the Calgary Flames. Like it would be a combination of like picks or prospects, and they do have a lot of them. Plus, a player like Dawson Mercer. That's the one that jumped out at me. Really, a really good player, versatile, can play center, can play wing, uh, isn't shy young stud like that's that's the one again this is not a report this is just me wondering about what that conversation would sound like and knowing how Craig Conroy is doing business with the Calgary Flames right now that to me would have made a whole bunch of sense anyhow this is me being uh, reckless and sloppy and just throwing out names based on how I feel welcome to sports talk radio um I like it though talking to Elliot in the first hour it it, it makes some sense right that's interesting I mean a package you know, highlighted maybe by Mercer. I mean, there's a young guy, a 20 plus goal scorer. Yes. Uh, you know, as you said, can play different positions up front. Calgary's going to need uh, a bit more depth. I mean, they don't have any players. You know, Calgary's their leading scorer this year, all right? And he's not even in the top 50 in the NHL uh, scoring leader. So they don't have. It's so funny. It's such a far cry from two years ago when they had that Kachuk, Goodrow, Lindholm line, and those guys were buzzing around the top of the oh. league and pulling. And then they, you know, had to trade Kachuk, and we all know about the Gaudreau situation. And then yeah. now they're find some depth and balance in their scoring, and a guy like Mercer would help that immeasurably. Um, uh, quick follow-up uh, Flames question here, and then I want to get on the, the Rangers page with you for a couple of seconds. Regardless of what happens tonight against the Rangers, this has been a really successful road trip for the Calgary Flames. Uh, who comes back the biggest star? Is it Markstrom? Is it Huberto? Is it Mackenzie Weger? Who we saw, you know, score a hat trick over the weekend. Does does someone come back like a, a new star, or there's like newfound respect for this player coming off this road trip in Calgary? Well, Markstrom, Markstrom is back. I think, and that's such a key thing, right? Because they're they're not playing perfect hockey, yeah. but you have there to close the door. It really is a massive band aid when they do have defensive breakdowns or are you know hemmed into their own zone. Um, the Uyghur story, though, is a fantastic, fantastic, and probably an undertold score story. The fact that he got the hat trick, you know, I think it's opened some eyes. But I was, I was working the afternoon intermissions, and we're doing the highlights, and, and I'm saying, my God, you know, Mackenzie Uyghur, think about how good Makar has been. Think about how good Quinn Hughes has been. Think about how good Darlene has been on the, in the offensive zone. Well, he has more goals than any of those guys, right? Like, he's just, he's leading, you know, these long rushes. We've seen him score overtime goals. We've seen him. Uh, score game-winning goals, uh, and he's also a good defensive presence. He really, and it's funny, we just did all, all of our, like, who should be, you know, projected uh, for Canada's team and the Four Nations face-off, and Mackenzie Weaker was absolutely yeah. from everyone. I'm not suggesting he should, you know, be there, but he certainly should be given some level of consideration, not because he has 15 goals this year, but because he's been a real stud the last three years, 
Uh, we remember how good he was in Florida. He was a key part of that deal for oh, yeah. Kachuk. You know, people forget that, you know, he wasn't a throw-in. He was given, what, an eight-year, $50 million deal or something once he got to Calgary. So he's, he's a really good storyline. Um, and the other storyline is Kuzmenko, right? Just, no one's won more than Kuzmenko. He hasn't lost so far with Calgary. He came yeah. off the first team in Vancouver. So <laughs> it's a pretty cool so, storyline. So th- this, this is how we're doing it then. So right now, Calgary wins the trade, right? Like uh, Kuzmenko uh, putting up points <laughs> yeah. and the flame. Like this, this is how we're doing this, right? This is, this is, uh, this is, uh, this is, this is how we judge trades now. So Calgary's <laughs> winning this trade over Vancouver. One thing I'll say is they found they found something in Huberto, Kuzmenko, Sharon Govich, right? Three guys who weren't on the roster uh, two years ago, and they've all yeah. come here circumstances and there is some chemistry there and I don't want to make more of it than there, than it is but Huberto is a point per game guy in the last 15 games which is I think Calgary fans at this point would be satisfied with an 80 point season from Huberto moving forward yep. he's not the 115 point guy he was in Florida in his final year there but they can't have him as a 40 point guy either so he's looking really good and comfortable with those guys and because Mako seems to be enjoying himself again and you know, maybe they have found something. It's really a compelling storyline, and we're going to flush it out tonight, of course, yeah. with, with the guys on, on Monday Night Hockey. But then, of course, as you want to talk Rangers, they've won four in a row as well, and they seem to have found their footing. Uh, they certainly have. Quick thought on them, but Ron, uh, let our listeners and viewers know right now, Jacob Marks from the NHL Three Stars of the Week has just come out. Third star, Nick Suzuki. Second star, Sergei Bobrovsky. First star of the week, David Amber is... Your Calgary Flames netminder, Jacob Markstrom, to the surprise of nobody. Um, Elliot and I were talking in the first hour about the Rangers looking for one, maybe two centers, uh, and how Jimmy VC may or may not be taking that comment personally. <laughs> A lot of those Rangers might be as well. Um, are they still as frightening as they seem to be at the beginning of the season, or have we sort of tempered our takes on the Rangers so far this season? We'll end there. Uh, I think we've tempered it a little bit. I mean, they came out of the gates incredibly. You know, I'm prepping for tonight's show. I started looking, and they, I mean, they started the year 18-4-1. and one. That wasn't sustainable. Yeah. You know, one thought they were going to keep it that clip. But they've essentially been a 500 team since then. So you're kind of wondering, what's the true Ranger team? I think they're very good. They have incredible depth on the blue line. Um, they have pretty balanced scoring up front, and they have a world-class coach in, in Peter Laviolette. And if they can get the goaltending from this duo who, you know, we can argue who's one and one a and all that, but uh, they will be a force to be reckoned with. But I just, I don't look at the Rangers at this point, the, the same through the same lens. I look at the top teams in the Western conference. I, I just, I see the teams in the Western, the, I see the best teams in the NHL as the top teams in the Western conference. That's just my own perspective on it. I just think they're, they're maybe mm-hmm. bigger, stronger uh, teams with fewer question marks than some of the top teams in the East. All right. Uh, on that, we'll wrap, but uh, not before I, um, I remind you of one thing, goalie for the lady bang. You can do it, David. Hop on the train. It's a train that only has me on it right now, but there's plenty of room, there's plenty of room on this goalie for lady bang train. Oh, I don't know. Um, uh, that would be the feel-good. You know what? Oh, David, that is a great pick right out of the gates. 
Um, top of my mind, he would be the best one. I would listen. I would have even given it to him last year when he tried to fight Jordan Bennington, <laughs> because the one goalie who tried to finally give Bennington what he's craved for so long, just to just to calm him down. You know what? Flurry's a great, especially if it's his last year. Like honestly, the goalie that everybody loves. I mean, how great was it to watch his kids read out the starting lineup? That game on, on, on Friday against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Like, you know what, Dave? You may have nailed it. That's it. Start the campaign. David Amber has the right choice. Marc-Andre Fleury for Lady Bing. David, you're the best. <laughs> Enjoy the game tonight. Hey, thanks, Jeff. Let me throw out this one last thing for you. Uh, you got to check out, talk sure. about kids reading the lineup card. I was just flipping through Instagram, and John Carlson's son came into the Washington dressing room and read out the lineup. It's fantastic. You got to give it a look if you can find it. I am on that one. Uh, John Carlson of the Capitals. Uh, I'm Listen, yeah. I'm a sucker for those every time. I mean, you know what it's like. Everything changes when you're a dad. Like, that's it. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck uh, it's making, you know, good luck uh, getting the dust out of the room when you see stuff like that. <laughs> um, DA will be watching tonight as the Flames facing off against the New York Rangers on Rogers Monday Night Hockey. Very much looking forward to it. Uh, all the action gets underway at 6.30 Eastern with Hockey Central. The puck drops at MSG just after 7. Thanks, DA. Thanks a lot, Jeff. David Amber uh, from the NHL on Sportsnet, host of Rogers Monday Night Hockey. Um, Maddie Marchese returns, uh, and we'll we'll go back to the headline story of the day, which we're going to probably talk about tomorrow. The hearing is tomorrow for Morgan Riley. It's an in-person, so you can go above five. Uh, I'm not sure how much above five they go, if they're even going to go that far, given the uh, the nature of appeals around the NHL uh, these uh, this season specifically. Um, but you tweeted, and I'm going to paraphrase here, <laughs> something along the lines of either you liked it or you understood it or you're in support of uh, the response from Morgan Riley. I think we'd be foolish to think that there wasn't some type of response from someone on the ice. But take us back to Saturday and maybe have you... Have you tempered how you felt about <laughs> uh, the incident in the 48 hours subsequent, Maddie? Uh, so here's what I will say. Um, I don't have a lot of followers. I don't tweet a ton, um, but I did tweet on Saturday. It was basically like, um, if you don't understand it, I can't explain it to you. And I said, it's funny how the former players all expected retribution and people that never played want the death penalty. So, like, there was a very big difference in terms of that. Uh, Jeff, it was the first time I ever had to mute a conversation because, like, that tweet went nuts. And I said, okay, I got to put this yeah, away. That's good. Um, but what I will no, say is this. Catnip. For, yeah, well, for sure. Um what I will say is this. I don't condone cross-checks to the head. I don't like that. Morgan Riley should have dropped his gloves. Like, that. that's what you should do in that situation. Um, I, I think he tried... I, I, wa- I watched it multiple times. I thought he was trying to get him, like, in his, you know, upper arm. And Ridley Gregg puts his arm up and the stick comes up and all hell ensues, right? I know you don't agree with that, and that's fine. Uh, that's what I thought I saw. Um, having said all <laughs> okay. that, there are people that just went to the other end of everything. Like oh, yeah, yeah, I've yeah, got, yeah, yeah. you know, and that's when I felt, oh, that's how some people feel in this business. But what I will say is this, like you talked about it earlier. The Leafs get criticized for not doing anything ever whenever something bad happens. And then something like that happens where you know there needs to be a response and then they get vilified for it, right? So I, I thought 
I thought there needed to be a response. There was. I didn't like how it went about with all that, with the cross-check to the head. Like, if he cross-checks him in the back, I feel a little bit better about it. But having said all that, I mean, Jeff, if this was not Toronto-Ottawa on Hockey Night in Canada, and this is no disrespect to these franchises that I'm going to mention, but if it's Columbus and Nashville on a Saturday afternoon, this is not getting the same type of attention. There, there's no question about that. Hey. It doesn't. Okay, let me. That's a really. That's a really good point. I still think the suspension is the same. Yes. But does it get the same attention? No. Agree. It doesn't. It doesn't fill the airwaves. It's not a protein shake uh, for everyone who does this job. Like that was a gift uh, for anyone who does this job. And you know what? You know what else it was a gift for? It's amazing how in life, specifically in sports, when you break the rules, you get rewarded for it because this feud is back on between the two. And as much as Michael and Lauer uh, may be frustrated this season at how things have gone and there's no playoff revenue on the horizon, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all of a sudden now, you know, Michael and Lauer, that's a gift because your building is full of Sens fans next time. Mm-hmm. I think I think Jason York's point about... The, uh, the Maple Leafs fans' invasion of the Canadian Tire Center was was an interesting one. And my first thought was, you know what really burned the Philadelphia Flyers? So when all those Rangers fans oh, yeah. invaded the Wells Fargo. Mm-hmm. And it was, you remember that? And it was yeah. always like, like the how many Rangers and everything. fans? Yeah. This is really, really bad. I know Devils fans, the Prudential Center, hate it when Rangers fans travel and end up at the Rock. And it's like really embarrassing for the organization. And I thought it was an interesting point that York, you uh, mentioned too, about how as a player, you say that you block it out. No, I don't notice it. You notice it. You notice it, and it's a point of frustration for everybody on that team. So I I think when you – it's one of those things where you have to kind of experience it because when you just say it, it sounds so freaking stupid. Sure. Like, wait a minute. A guy, a guy cross-checked another player in the head – because he scored an empty net goal. Oh, no, 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 no. It was the way he scored the empty net goal. He got cross-checked in the head because of the way he scored the empty net goal. Mm-hmm. Like, just imagine you're explaining this in courts. How dumb <laughs> you sound. Yeah. But within the context of a hockey game, here we are having the conversation. Well, you know, something's coming. Yeah. And I think most of us look at that and say, like, something was going to come for that one. But, you know, and I've always said this before again, like, sports occupies a really weird place. And it can't be 100% of either one of these two things. Sports is the middle ground between what your heart feels and your head knows. Like, as an alleged adult, I cannot justify with my brain what Morgan Riley did. But if I'm a Maple Leafs fan, with my heart, I sure can. Yeah, I can't like, do it with my head, but I can do it with my heart. I like how you said alleged adult. I'm going to use that a lot, actually. I really, I really uh, enjoyed yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But it's funny too because Thanks. because you're also not allowed to have an opinion on these things and then be called a homer or whatever. Jeff, you know this. Our conversations oh, on the that's air, fine. off the air. Um, I have been called a homer, and you know this. I am <laughs> I am very far from that. I like to think that I'm crucial about every team. And whether that was, you know, yeah. whether that happened in a game, you know, w- involving two teams that 
you know, are not in this province that we reside in, I would have the same opinion. I I tried to explain it to someone who does not play hockey and they had seen the player or whatever. And they said, you know, like, okay, so I don't get it. And I said, here's, here's what it is. This is something that's been going on for years. It's a, you know, they talk about respect in the game, all that kind of stuff. It's also, yeah, you got pissed off in the moment. And I remember playing, a guy tried to, you know, put the puck between his legs on an empty net. And my goal was I'm going to try and break his ankle with my stick. That was in my brain what needed to be done at that particular moment. And the response was, well, that sounds like a really measured approach. But yes, you go a little loopy when you're playing sports. And in that moment, Morgan Riley had a very big misjudgment. It's going to cost him some games here. But... Somebody needed to do something. You don't just wail at a slap shot. I love that it was like 73 miles an hour and people know that. Like that to me is awesome. Um, Shane Kelly. Yeah. Shane Kelly. <laughs> Shane but, Kelly, the best tweet. <laughs> but again, I hate using the, if you didn't play, you don't understand because there are a lot of really smart people who didn't play the game at a higher right. level. Lots. So, but if yeah. you're in that yeah. moment, that's where people, you, you just kind of, you understand that there's, passion and you don't want to be shown up because that's what it felt like and yes you should play harder during the game and all that stuff but it's passion in the moment and sometimes you go a little crazy i i i i think there are times where you say you need to play to understand something but i'll always come back with you know like listen i don't need to fall off a ladder to know that if i do it's gonna hurt and it's not gonna tickle i don't need to have the experience but there there i i do agree though there are there are some things you have to really play to 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 deeply understand um but but again having said that i think one of the things and this is for a way bigger conversation than we have time for is why do we have this these conversations around this sport specifically like there is like the the nature of hockey unlike football unlike basketball unlike baseball um, is like it's in this, it's in this encased 200 by 85 where there's a demarcation point between the event, like your sport, and reality at the other side of the boards. It's almost as if this is a completely different universe that's governed by a whole bunch of different codes and rules and all of it, and it's continuous and it's emotional, and there is the presence of weapons that exist in players' hands. Like I think that there's a, um, a conversation to be had about why does this conversation keep coming up about this sport specifically and why are the reactions innate in this sport that aren't in other sports? Like, you're a football guy. Mm-hmm. Like, this doesn't feel the same way in football. No. And it's a way more violent sport than hockey. But you can run out of bounds. There's no out of bounds in hockey. In hockey, there's a presence of weapons. There is no presence of weapons in, in football. There's a, there's a, a lot of... There's a, there's you know, boards that separate the real world from your world. All I'm saying is a lot of these things I think go through, I don't think consciously, but unconsciously players' minds as they're playing that you're just not aware of. Because again, he got hit in the head because he put a puck in an empty net. When it comes down to it, that's what happened. Your head can't rationalize that as an alleged adult. But if you're someone who's been on the ice or was on the ice at that moment... And it's not your head that's leading, but your heart's leading. Makes total sense. Yeah, I, I will. I will say this. Qu- I will say response. this quickly, Jeff. 
Uh, one, the presence of being able to fight someone bare knuckle and committing assault either with a weapon or without on basically every single time you're out on the ice. The ability to do that <laughs> has a lot to do with the way people think. It's You're 100% bang on. The, this is not the reality. People literally commit assault every single game on a hockey playing surface. Every game that they would get charged for in real life. Well, they don't do that on the ice. They don't even get suspended for a lot of it. So that's where the difference is. Yeah. For, again, for a bigger conversation with people a lot smarter than me. Uh, on that, we'll hit a break. Uh, Eric Francis stops by. Back on the Calgary Flames page. Uh, if you haven't watched the Calgary Flames coming out of the All-Star break, they're playing really well. And we'll see them tonight on, on, uh, on Rogers Monday Night Hockey as they face off against the New York Rangers. Two teams that have won four games in a row. One streak will end tonight. Eric Francis talks to us about Huberto and about Markstrom and about Mackenzie Weger. Kuzmenko we should throw into that mix. And who knows, Harvey the Hound. I don't know. Uh, a lot with Eric Francis coming up here in a couple of moments. Merrick Show continues across the Sportsnet Radio Network simulcast on Sportsnet 360. Back in a moment. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. We've been talking a lot about two things today. We talked a lot about Morgan Riley and Ridley Gregg and the cross-check heard around the world and the empty net goal heard around the world, well, the hockey world anyway. We've also talked a lot about the Calgary Flames, and we'll see them in action as they look to put together their five, their fifth win in a row uh, against the New York Rangers tonight, who are looking to do the same against the Flames. Eric Francis joins me now uh, for comments on this uh, on this amazing run by, uh, by the Calgary Flames. And, you know, Eric, just when we thought maybe we should write off the Calgary Flames and it's just look at deadline and get whatever you can get for Hannah, Finn, and Tanev and take the most loot and just run to the bank, all of a sudden, they string together four wins. They look really good. We're finally recognizing, I think most people are, that Jacob Markstrom is a Vesna Trophy candidate. Jagor Sharangovich is really good. Jonathan Huberto is setting up players once again. And don't look now, but Andre Kuzmenko is looking like a really nice fit, too. What am I leaving? Oh, and Mackenzie Wigger scored a hat trick. What am I leaving out here, Eric Francis? What have I missed? Uh, Oliver Shillington's come back and fit in nicely, and he's only going to get yep. better. And, uh, yeah, all the, the, there are a lot of great storylines. Jacob Pelche is a huge fan favorite, and people are excited about his return. You know, when they came back from the break, Jeff, they had six new faces. That's a third of their lineup. Six guys in the lineup, like starting, that weren't in the lineup the game before the All-Star break. So significant changes. And, of course, as you know, I hear you and Elliot talking about constantly, uh, which is nice. You know, Calgary's not used to being in the spotlight, but, you know, all of these potential trades loom large. And it's something that we've known all year long that that was going to be a storyline. Uh, but here we are this late yeah. in the game and still no movement on Tanev, Hannafin, and, of course, the Jacob Markstrom situation is a is a fluid one as well. Um, these are all sexy talking points. Um, and it's, not, it's yeah. not just smoke. I mean, right, there's going to be a fire, and two or three of those guys are probably yeah. going to be gone in due time. 
You know, I always wonder what must go through Craig Conroy's head every time Chris Tanev goes down the hall into the room during a game. And you know where uh-huh. I'm going with this one. The yeah. you know what makes Tanev so attractive is the way that he plays, how physical he is, how selfless he is, how it doesn't matter if the Flames are up by five pucks or down by five pucks. If you need me to put my face in front of the shot, I'm going to do it. Is there more of an urgency on doing something with Tanev knowing that, listen, uh, you know, the, the injury Grim Reaper is always a, a phone call away for Chris Tanev, given how he plays. Yeah, it's a, it's a balancing act, right? I mean, you, you want to get this done sooner rather than later because if he goes down with an injury that he can't bounce back from, uh, then you get nothing, nothing for a significant asset, an asset that you're looking for at the minimum right now a second rounder in return, which is important for a team that's retooling, rebuilding, however you want to rephr- phrase it. But A, the league doesn't look very kindly on uh, load management. You know, guys just sitting out for no reason. If you're close to a trade and something's imminent, or he's got a nagging injury, yeah. which <laughs> I would submit he always has, um, <laughs> then you can get away with it. But in the, right in the, in the meantime, he's the ultimate warrior, and you're not going to take him out. Um they're, yeah. they're holding out, you know, and I've heard you and Elliot talk about it, and it's, it's a fact. They are hoping that if they hold out long enough and enough people are interested and get desperate enough, someone's going to cop up a first-rounder for Chris Tanev. It was probably unfathomable uh, earlier in the year for someone to say that, and I'm not sure it's going to come to pass, but that's how valued he is in a lot of people's eyes. As a matter of fact, Jeff, I think it's an interesting debate on, okay, you're a general manager. Who would you rather have, Noah Hannafin? Or Chris Tanev, and I think the answer varies on what you're looking for, what your situation is, uh, because I think you know Hannafin's 27. He's a little more, well, he's a lot more well-rounded, uh, but he's not exactly the warrior that Chris Tanev is. And Chris Tanev is the ultimate playoff guy. So I don't know the answer, but uh, boy, it's it's awfully uh, interesting to look at this team in so many different ways these days. I, I think you're right. I think it's an interesting uh, discussion to have and to, to wonder about in advance of trade deadline. I think if, I think it depends on the team specifically. Like yeah. if you're, uh, okay, Dallas Stars. If you're the Dallas Stars, uh, are you closer to needing a Noah Hannafin or a Chris Tanev? Like you look at skill set overlap and you go, well, yeah, no, they, they're looking for someone like, Chris Tanev. Is there another team that's out there that's looking for for someone that can that can move the puck, like a first pairing player that can move the puck? That's a Noah Hannafin type team. Um, so I, I think it does come down very much to the teams involved. I also think on Dallas, like if the price were right, I could see them biting on Nikita Zadorov as well. But that's a that's for another conversation. Um, <laughs> is it is it like is it? Do you think it's like done 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 capital D done with the idea of Noah Hannafin returning to Calgary? Done as in it's not going to happen. Uh, uh, that's yeah. That's the, that's the sense I'm getting. Listen, in life, when you've got a tough, tough decision, and you just don't want to make that decision, and we've all dealt with things like that in our lives. It often means that the decision has already been made, but it's the hard one. And the hard one is to say goodbye to a city where you played for so many years, you fit in so well, you're happy there, um, but you just wonder if the grass. Is greener. Listen, I always cite the example like Chris, Chris uh, Noah Hannafin has seen Johnny Gaudreau go and test free agency, and I'm not sure Johnny would say that it's probably gone that well if he was to be honest about it. Yet he's also seen Matthew Kachuk mm-hmm. kind of 
leave town and, and absolutely flourish. So, you know, you've got the bird on either shoulder telling you it's greener on the other side and the other guy says not necessarily i at the end of the day i i think look he's an american-born player he's just turned 27 last week he's still got yeah. seven eight nine great years out of him he's one of the best skaters in the league he's having his best season in the league um this guy could write his own ticket this summer to any number of teams in the league and i'm pretty sure that that's where he's leaning as a matter of fact I, I, my guess is that he's already told uh, the general manager as such. Uh, do you think that was after the Boston game, back at home, family conversations, uh, or yeah. am I just trying to romanticize this story? Is, is it right around the Boston game? Well, he spent the uh, All-Star break in Boston, his hometown, talking about this you know, extensively with his family. And uh, he kind of said to Craig Conroy, look, give me another week and I'll let you know um, that week has passed now. So I'm not sure if it was right after the Boston game, but shortly thereafter is my guess that uh, they were pressing him to finally get that answer into them. Okay. Um, you know, we've talked at the beginning of the uh, of the program today about the Calgary Flames and, and how they're conducting business and how Craig Conroy is doing his trades. Now, obviously, this is not a Montreal-Chicago-style rebuild. Take it down to, to the nuts and bolts, and we just want picks, and we just want prospects, and we're a lottery team. Thank you very much. It seems as if he's trying to do... Now, listen, there are a lot more teams that, that have, have tried to do this than we've seen before. Two things at the same time. Rebuild, but stay competitive at the same time. The Cosmeco deal is a great example of that. The Toffoli deal is an example uh, of that. So in any subsequent trade, whether it's Hannafin, whether it's Tanev, should we look for Craig Conroy to address both the future and the immediate needs of the Calgary Flames? Just the future. Just the future. Listen, the fact that they're still in this playoff race, and, and I, I dare say they're still on the fringe of a playoff race. I think mm-hmm. last I looked, they were still just one point out, but their game's in hand with the other teams, and you know the Flames are about to absorb some pretty significant losses, we're led to believe, you know, with the trades and I, I think that yep. this organization for 30 years has tried to have, uh, you know, had, had to try to eat their cake, have their cake and eat it too, and it's not worked. Um, he sees this as being different, though, because it's not, you know, he's not going to sacrifice uh, the future for this year is, is the short answer to your question. It, the long term is in mind. Right. And you even look at those trades that you referenced, Jeff, like Kuzmenko, great ad, made a lot of sense. There are four other parts on that deal, but the Kuzmenko one, Kuzmenko one's the sexy one right now. But he's a UFA at the end of next year. You know, Sharon Govich is a UFA at the end of next year. Yeah, these are nice pieces, and you could say you're rebuilding around them, but you're not really re- rebuilding around those guys, even though they're two-thirds of your top line. These are placeholders mm-hmm. as this team continues to build the youth. And I'll tell you, Jeff, in that locker room, I've never seen a room so excited with the youth movement in there. These kids are all so thrilled to be here. They're playing meaningful roles, and the veterans are just loving watching the enthusiasm that these kids bring. So there's a kind of a delicious mix going on right now, and it may just sustain them yeah. to stay in this race from now to the end of the season. I, I don't see them making the playoffs, but I feel like they're going to stay with it pretty, you know, right to the end. You know, that's a really interesting comment, too, because we see this, like, this isn't new, and and we see this from other teams, and right now the Calgary Flames are on a four-game winning streak, could be five if they beat the Rangers tonight, then hustle back to Calgary uh, to begin a homestand. Um, 
when a team is is winning uh, the veterans have a great time with the kids and it's a lot of fun and you know newfound enthusiasm and that's all great we've also seen when a team loses how that veteran rookie divide gets really sharp and how nerves are close to the skin and how you know ah these kids and you shouldn't be doing this like that ah these kids today and grumble 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 and all the veterans turn into you know Ryan Kessler's style grumps we've seen that a, a million times um, what, what I am wondering about here is where Jacob Markstrom fits in all of it. Like, Elliot's made the point, you've made the point, he does not like having his name out there. Um, everyone knows it as part of the business. Everyone understands that when you sign up to play in the NHL, like in the NFL or MLB or NBA or whatever, this is part of the deal. Your name gets discussed when it comes to when it comes to trades. Where is the organization on this guy who is going to get a lot of Vesna Trophy votes this year, um, where is your organization on Jacob Markstrom and his both immediate, immediate and long-term future with the team? Look, I, I don't think the organization is out there shopping Jacob Markstrom, uh, asking everybody if they're interested in a, in a guy who's having like a real bounce-back season. But I think that their attitude all along has been, well, if someone comes and knocks our stocks off, then we'd absolutely listen. Yeah. And then we might go to Jacob Markstrom and see if he'd be willing to, to to move the no trade listen in the chat i had with him last week um reading between the lines of what he said he said you know the ball's in the organization's court i, I thought he was going to say to me you know I, no i control everything and and no one's called me so nothing's happening he's basically said to me he's open to whatever the organization wants to do if they don't want him here and they feel it's better for the organization mm-hmm. to trade him then he would probably be amenable to that so that's one element to this the other element is that, you know, I know there's a real belief amongst Flames management that, you know, veteran, you know, goalies, often, you know, highly paid goalies, the value of those is not as high as it has been in the past because of what Vegas did last year. Basically winning a Stanley Cup with five no-name goalies. Well, four no-name goalies and Jonathan Quick, who was not having a good year yeah. anyway. So, you know, five lesser-known yeah. goalies and, 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 and you know, a lot of teams like the Leafs and everybody else, they're just like, okay, next man up, and hopefully we'll catch lightning in a you know in a bottle, and this guy will be the answer to a, a, a big big problem. So six million dollars, Jeff, is a lot to squeeze into the cap. I heard you and Elliot talking about mm-hmm. this this organization's reluctance to uh, you know pay for half the salary in, in a deal, and and I have to tell you, yep, I think that I think that they are very much open to it. I know historically they haven't been. But I think this organization is at a spot right now where if it can sweeten the pot and get the return even higher as they try to rebuild for a new arena coming down the road, I think they're willing to do it. No questions asked. So that's changed, I think, as opposed to the, the past. Well, listen, if it's going to be a Jacob Marks from trade, it's going to be a blockbuster and it's going to need retention to get done. And listen, if, if, if the Flames are going to, I keep saying this, if the Flames are going to retain significant money on Jacob Markstrom's deal. And this is one that doesn't expire until 2026. We're talking first rounders for retention. Agree or disagree? Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I 100% agree. Listen, the starting point that they're asking for for Hannafin, for example, is a first rounder, a, a, a top prospect, and a roster player. It would be no different for a Jacob Markstrom. Otherwise, why would you trade him? I personally think the Jacob Markstrom trade should happen in the summer when you've got a whole lot, you know, so many more suitors. 
teams that have lost in the first or second round that realize the difference was probably a goaltender. Uh, they know that Mate Marshall's having a Vesna type season. Like to me, that's when you move them. I to, to try and yeah, if the right deal came along now, you'd consider it. But listen, this whole conversation is you know, this is a GM who doesn't is not going to tank. Okay, they're, they're, this is not a Chicago Blackhawks. This is, they don't agree with that philosophy. Yeah. They want to keep winning, keeping the environment a positive one for these youngsters as they're groomed along the way. So that said, I don't think they're in any hurry to get rid of Jacob Markstrom. They understand they have a big trade chip. But all of this is prefaced, Jeff, by the fact that the number one prospect in the organization and the best goalie in the world that's not in the NHL is Dustin Wolf. And he's, you know, they need to find a place for him by next year full-time in the NHL. You can't go past that. After that, you know, he get, he'll get pretty antsy. So they need to make room for him and trading Markstrom. That's the only reason why we've been having this conversation because at some point you want to make room for Wolf. Having the same conversations about Saros and Yaroslav Askarov, who's been outstanding for Milwaukee as well. And you wonder if, you know, uh, this is the uh, the trade deadline where Saros finally gets moved if they can't or if they don't think that they can uh, they can resign him. Uh, Eric, always great stuff. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Looks sunny where you are. I'm suspecting that's New York. Um, you enjoy yourself and we'll, uh, we'll catch up soon, my friend. All right. Thanks, buddy. Anytime. We'll talk soon. The great Eric Francis from Sportsnet covering the uh, Calgary Flames in action tonight on Rogers Monday Night Hockey. They've won four in a row. Ditto for the New York Rangers. They will clash tonight at MSG. One of four games on the board around the NHL. The Seattle Kraken are facing off against the New Jersey Devils. The Devils now six points out of a wild card spot. Uh, the Arizona Coyotes, who have some decisions to make, a uh, 500 team, uh, they'll face off against the Philadelphia Flyers. I wanted to park some time if we had it today to talk about, you know, Sean Couturier. <laughs> And uh, John Tortorella over the weekend towards just barking at Couturier. And then he scored the game winner uh, against uh, Seattle. Torts said, yeah, that was an FU towards me. It's a great John Tortorella quote. And the Minnesota Wild take on the Vegas Golden Knights, who have now all of a sudden gotten their groove back. Thank you very much. Thanks to Eric Francis. Thanks to David Amber, Jason York, and Elliot Friedman for stopping by the program today. Matt Marchese, David Sis, Lance Kennedy, and our TV director, who has the most unenviable job of trying to make me and this program look good is the great Frank Baraska. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, Lance, David, and Matt. Mistakes made by me come toujours, as we say in French, as always. Across the Sportsnet Radio Network, simulcast on Sportsnet 360, wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Merrick's show back tomorrow, right here, same time, noon Eastern, 9 Pacific. We'll talk to you tomorrow.